worship is mentioned 181 times in the Bible. When worship is correct, it's always God-centered. When worship is broken, it's always centered on something other than God. So, <clears throat> when worship is centered on God, number one, it is about God, it honors God, and it glorifies God. So imagine if you were coming to church every Sunday offering a worship that was broken. When worship is broken in the church, it is about us, it is for us, it glorifies us, and it honors only our own misconception of worship. That's number two. When worship in the church is broken, it is about us, it is for us, it honors us, it glorifies us, or glorifies only our own misconception of worship. Now, in the Bible, we find healthy worship, and we also find broken worship. Well, you know, we have to evaluate, what would you say about our worship? Well, like you would say that our worship is, is healthy worship, but what is the standard by which worship ought to be measured. And what if I'm measuring by the wrong standard? Well, my purpose tonight, hopefully, is to help us to begin to answer some of those questions so that we might come to understand what worship is, what worship is not, and evaluate our own worship against a biblical and not a cultural standard. Now, here's the next point I want to make, and that is that in, in some churches, Worship is a ritual. Now, not all rituals are bad, by the way. Rituals teach us about God, or our rituals can become a substitute about God. In fact, we have rituals in our own church. Did you know that? And our rituals are certainly simply the way we do things from Sunday to Sunday. Not only so, we can have rituals in our daily lives that we can consider worship. That can be a devotion or a prayer or a set of prayers, those rituals can connect us to God or they can become substitutes for God. And in many cases, rituals are no more than substitutes for God. They are, they are things that we do that we think are pleasing to God, which are really only broken expressions of worship. Now, since we are Baptist, Allow me to observe some Baptist rituals. I was the pastor of a church on one occasion that for decades, for decades, they began their service every Sunday by singing the doxology. Maybe you don't know it. Some of you younger kids probably don't. And it says simply this, praise God from whom all blessings uh, flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, uh, the title, doxology, means the study of praise. That's what that, the title is. It's the study of praise. And the words of the song offer praise to God and call for praise to God. But for those people, that song had long since lost its effectiveness for them. It was ritual for ritual's sake. Nobody thought about God when they sang it. It was no longer God-centered. It was all about their tradition. It was traditionalism. So the song had lost its connection to God for them, 
and was more about the, the nostalgia associated with singing it. You know what nostalgia is? Precious memories. How they linger. How they ever flood my soul. That song in itself is all about nostalgia. And not one iota of that song, hardly, is about God. Nor is it about God when anybody sings it. Because it's all about nostalgia, which that's what our worship can become. On one occasion, Charles Swindoll, you might like to hear what he has to say more than what I have to say about the subject. He said that tradition is the living faith of those now dead. And traditionalism is the dead faith of those now living. Just because you do something doesn't make it worship. This is the next point. Just because you do something doesn't make it worship. Just because you sing something doesn't make it worship. Worship is all about the attitude of the heart of the worshiper. So worship is very much doxology. It is a study of praise, but that praise is to be focused on God and his worth and not on the act of worship. Is If the focus is on the act itself for the sense of nostalgia that I gain from the act, it's not at all about what I give to God at the moment, but about what it gives me. So when you come to Doug and you say, I love it when we sing our old songs, you're talking about nostalgia. You're not so much talking about worship. And when you might come to him and say, I love it when we sing the new songs. And the new song might not be a worship song at all. It just might be a song about, and we'll talk about that as we go through this. But worship is focused on God. Next, worship is always about giving something or offering something. It is about offering something to God. Now, of the 181 times worship is used in the Bible, where do you think the first place worship occurs? The word worship appears first in the Bible in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, where Abraham is on a journey to sacrifice his son Isaac. That is actually the first picture of worship that we have in the Bible as an expression of worship as the, where the word worship is used. Abraham was called by God to make that journey. I remind you that the worship itself is about God, it is for God, it honors God, and that journey was intended to glorify God. Therefore, the journey itself was an act of worship. Of course, Abraham, in that act of worship, was called to give something, to lay something down, and that was his son Isaac. Therefore, in this very picture of worship, we see that worship, and here's the next point, worship is not always comfortable. It is not always easy. It does not always make me feel good. It often stretches me, calls for my surrender, and calls me to sacrifice. And it may indeed grieve me as I bring to God what, it, what he demands for me to express my worship. Worship is not at all about me feeling good. That's not what it's about. So here we also learn one more thing about worship. It is about God. We worship God because God is worthy. That is the root meaning, by the way, of the word worship. We talk about we, we worshiping God because he is worthy. And so Abraham did what he did. He made that journey. He was willing to make that sacrifice 
because he was recognizing the supreme worth of God. So when worship is correct, it's always God-centered. When worship is broken, it's always centered on something other than God. And you know what that usually is? Me. What satisfies me? Singing is only worship when that singing or that song is focused on God, is centered on God, and is all about His supreme worth. And those singing it are adjusting their hearts accordingly. Now, when we, we have a song service in church, a song service is not always a worship service. Because in that song service, we are merely going through the ritual motion of singing the songs we are not adjusting our hearts to God or expressing our love to God or the worth of God, and it's not an act of worship. In, someone, in recent years, somebody has observed that true worship is always vertical. It's always to God. It's ascribing to God His worth. It's not directing, directed at someone else. That's why many modern worship songs are not worship at all because they are very self-centered. There's one worship song or one song that I don't like at all that I hear from time to time, and it says simply this, it's okay not to be okay. That's the song. When did you ever read that in the Bible? That it's okay not to be okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay, we're not okay, and God thinks that's okay. It's not okay. The Lord says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And as we saw in the book of Romans today, Paul said, we're called to be saints. And only when we get there is that okay. So we need to be very careful. Some are horizontal songs that we sing to each other, songs that, have, that talk about I. They say, oh, I've got this, or I've got that, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. It's all about me. They're not directed to God or sung for his honor or pleasure. So who is worship for? Here's the next point. Worship is always for an audience of one, just one. He is the one we seek to please with our worship. So Doug gets up and he sings songs and they don't please you and you don't like them and you complain to him or I complain to him about what he sings that doesn't please me. But who are we supposed to be pleasing? That's what we lose sight of in the process. Our worship is to be pleasing to God, and we're to be offering it to Him because He is worthy. The question uh, that we need to ask is, do we? So we're going to look at an illustration tonight, one quick illustration, and, it, and it's about the worship service that occurred in the home of a man named Simon in the New Testament. Uh, there in that home, there was a small gathering. Uh, it's first an illustration of what Jesus said would be true of people. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be present in the midst of them. And it just happened that Jesus was in that home, in Simon's home, where several other people were gathered. He was physically present. And so he was invited by Simon. And we want to consider Simon's invitation to Jesus as, a, as sort of a call to worship, much, much like a prayer that we might offer at the beginning of our service. When we pray at the beginning of our services, we call that the invocation. You know why we call it an invocation? We're invoking the Lord's presence. We're asking for the Lord's presence. We're asking him to meet with us. Sometimes it might be in a song, like 
One of the great hymns, Come Thou Almighty King, help us thy praise to sing. Uh, help, help us thy name to sing. Help us to praise. Father, O all glorious, or all victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. Come, thou incarnate word, gird on thy mighty sword, our prayer attend. Come and thy people bless, and give thy word success, and let thy holiness, spirit of holiness, on us descend. Come, holy comforter, thy sacred witness bear. In this glad hour, thou who almighty art, now rule in every heart and ne'er from us depart. Spirit of power. That's a, that's a cry, a song that pleads for, for God to be present with us. So Simon, by whatever method uh, he chose, invited the Lord to be present. And so we invite the Lord to be present in our worship services and we find he comes and when he comes is he pleased or is he offended so what happened on that day when he came to the home of Simon well let me let you look at this scripture with me in verse 36 it says now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table at the table brother Van at the table and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. Jesus said a moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But, she who is, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Simon invited Jesus. But the whole point of the story is that Simon didn't worship Jesus. He didn't honor Jesus. He didn't love Jesus. And Simon's sins weren't forgiven as a result of what happened there that day. He organized the service but didn't worship himself, nor did he make it a worship service for anyone else. But what about the woman? Who was she seeking to impress in that little service? Did she come to impress Simon and his friends? No, she was there for Jesus and him alone, and so Jesus received her worship. Now, what might we say of Simon's worship in general? Well. It was broken. Uh, it was broken because the whole of Simon's relationship with God was broken. So what, what is this? What, what, what is it that we do from Sunday to Sunday? Uh, 
Is it a service of worship that honors God, glorifies God, kisses His feet, anoints Him with our love and with our tears, or is it something to make us feel better about ourselves so that we can say, I surely enjoyed that, whether the Lord did or not. Next point. Genuine worship aims to honor God, to connect with God. It stands on tiptoe in anticipation of that connection. It seeks in an act of worship to, to touch Him and to be touched by Him. That is why we do what we do not to be with one another. While that is good and our fellowship is good, we come here to be with Him. We come here to have a connection with Him. We come here to hear from Him. And so one of the things I hope we'll do across the course of the next Sunday nights is examine our own worship. And so if the Lord should say to us, what you're doing is not what pleases me, that might offend us. But what a wonderful thing it was for Jesus to say to Simon, Simon, I don't enjoy what you've given me here tonight. I enjoyed what the woman gave me. Maybe what you need to do is adjust your heart. Because what I want to do is stretch you. Not everything that I will ask of you will please you, but it will draw you closer to me as you offer it. Let me pray with you. Lord, might we try a little bit harder to offer you hearts that love you and that honor you. May we recognize who is present, who is seated at the table, and may we act and adjust our lives accordingly. In Jesus' name.